Bonjour and welcome to the Anishinaabe History Podcast. I'm Chris Wheat. There is evidence of a comet fragmenting and impacting the Earth 12,900 years ago. Much evidence has been collected from all over the planet. Part of the impact occurred at what is now Saginaw Bay, Michigan. Another fragment of the same comet may have impacted in northern Greenland. Around 12,900 years ago, parts of northern North America were beneath hundreds of meters of glacial ice. It may have been between 1 to 2 kilometers thick in some places. This was around the end of the last major ice age. That ice age had lasted for many thousands of years, but as the world was warming and emerging from the big ice age, global temperatures dropped significantly and another dip into ice age temperatures had begun. This mini ice age has been named the Younger Dryas. It is named after an alpine flower. The Younger Dryas mini ice age lasted for about 1200 years, and then the earth once again warmed up. Why did a second mini ice age begin? Some researchers say it was because of climate change, and they claim that the climatic cooling was caused by a sudden release of water from an ancient glacial lake called Lake Agassiz. Interestingly, when Lake Agassiz burst through its ice dam in North America, a similar outflowing of a huge glacial lake happened in the Baltic region of Europe. When there was an ice sheet covering North America, there were also ice sheets covering Greenland and Northern Europe. These ice sheets have been named the Laurentide Ice Sheet, the Greenland Ice Sheet, and the Fenno-Scandian Ice Sheet. Some researchers have argued that these simultaneous global events cannot be explained by conventional climatic and or paleo-oceanographic processes. Why was there a sudden release of so much water and destabilization of ice sheets? In the geological evidence, there is the Younger Dryas Boundary, YDB. This boundary can be seen as a black mat at many geoarchaeological sites when digging for Younger Dryas data. It marks a chronological boundary for many animals, as well as Clovis-style spear tips. Giant Ice Age animals such as North American camels, sloths, lions, and horses exist below the YDB, but not above it. This indicates that these animals existed before the YDB layer was set down and not afterwards. What happened? Were these simultaneous events part of a larger catastrophe? Was the Younger Dryas, the extinction of megafauna, plus the disappearance of the Clovis culture all due to a comet? A comet impact would explain a lot of these events. Interestingly, all these events did happen at approximately the same time around 12,900 years ago. Evidence for a comet impact includes magnetic microspherules and nanodiamonds found at the YDB layer across various Clovis sites. Microspherules are tiny spheres of melted sediments with diameters between 90 and 150 microns created under intense heat such as a volcano or meteorite impact. Microspherules have been found across North America. Younger Dryas boundary microspherules were analyzed under a scanning electron microscope and via X-rays. The results indicated that the YDB microspherules were not volcanic in origin 
and that it is unlikely that they were terrestrially caused. Furthermore, the data indicates that the creation of these microspherules was a short-lived event synchronous across North American sites and one in Europe. The data indicates that the microspherules were formed from abrupt melting and quenching of terrestrial materials. Such abrupt melting can be attributed to a cosmic impact event. Additional evidence for a cosmic impact event 12,900 years ago has been found at the bottom of hundreds of lakes and in ice core samples. Within these samples, an abundance of charcoal and soot, as well as the presence of nano-diamonds and high amounts of platinum at the YDB layer indicate the occurrence of an extraterrestrial impact event with very fiery results. What happened after the impact is also fascinating. This is because the comet impact not only affected the people and animals living on the continent, but also that this catastrophe and the resultant flood and ice age was possibly the event that inspired creation stories from around the world. I'm going to start in Africa. This is because I believe these stories to be very old. I also believe that Homo sapiens evolved in and emerged from the continent of Africa. Our species, Homo sapiens, is hundreds of thousands of years old. In Western Africa, in the region of Nigeria, is the traditional homeland of the Yoruba people. In the beginning there was only water and sky, and it was ruled over by the Orisha, a council of gods. One of the gods decided to make dry land, and so had to descend from above on a golden chain to spread sand. From the sand the earth grew. This god, Obatala, also had a chicken whose feet helped spread the sand to make the earth. Obatala eventually made creatures out of clay. His first set of creatures were deformed because he had been drinking. He swore to never drink again and made a second set of creatures. Another god, Oluron, breathed life into the clay figures and the creatures immediately went to work creating houses and cities. All the Orisha except one, named Olukon, were pleased with the clay creations. Olukon was displeased because he was not consulted in their creation. So Olukon created a great flood which nearly destroyed all of Obatala's creations. Once the waters returned to normal, everybody respected the sea. In southern Africa, the Zulu people tell of Unkulu Unkulu, the first man, and a person born from marsh reeds. In the beginning there was nothing but a giant seed. His mother was the marsh goddess Uthlanga. When he became too big, his reed broke and he was able to walk upon the earth. He saw that there were other people within the reeds, so he broke them off and freed them. He did the same thing to all the other creatures of the earth. In Egypt, which is northern Africa, their creation story begins in an ancient time called the Zeptepe, the first occasion. There was watery chaos at the beginning. From the water, the first thing to emerge was the Benben, a pyramid-shaped mound of earth. The Egyptian stories have been written in stone in hieroglyphs and have been dated to 2700 BC. This watery beginning predates the Christian flood myth. Indeed, there is abundant evidence for flood myths from the eastern Mediterranean and Mesopotamia 
that, like the Egyptian stories, are perhaps thousands of years older than even the Israelite story of Noah's Ark. The Sumerian creation story, for example, begins when there was only earth, ki, and heaven, an. All was dark and there was neither sunlight nor moonlight. The earth was green, there was water in the ground, but there was no vegetation. The god Enlil separated the heavens and the earth and created humans. These humans appeared naked and were without food because there was no grain, sheep, or goats. People ate grass and drank from ditches. The god Enki created the Tigris and Euphrates by making water flow into them from the mountains. Enki is the Sumerian god of wisdom. Enki was asked to create workers out of clay to replace the gods who were toiling at their tasks. Clay was put into the womb of the goddess Nama, who then gave birth to the first humans. The Babylonian creation story is called the Enuma Elish. For the Babylonians, Marduk was the supreme god. Marduk's ancestors were Tiamat, the ocean waters, and Apsu, the fresh waters. Tiamat and Apsu created many god pairs, but over time these other gods became noisy. Apsu wanted to destroy the other gods, but Tiamat didn't. A spell was cast by the god Ea to put Apsu to sleep. Apsu was then killed. After his death, Ea and his wife, Damkina, gave birth to Marduk. Anu, the sky god, gives Marduk control of the four winds, who created storms and hurricanes that upset Tiamat, that is, the ocean waters. The other gods convinced Tiamat to confront Marduk. Monsters are created under Tiamat's order to fight against Marduk. To make a long story short, Marduk defeats Tiamat's army. Marduk is elevated to high god, and Tiamat's body is split in half. Part of the body went skyward to prevent the waters from escaping. From the other parts of her body, cloud, wind, mist, mountains, and earth were created. Have you ever heard of Atrahasis? His name means exceedingly wise. He is the main character in the creation epic of the Akkadian people. The Akkadian and Babylonian people lived in the same geographic location. There is some overlap in their stories. The Babylonian stories are older, but the Akkadian are well preserved. The Atrahasis epic was written down in the 17th century BC. The Sumerian flood story, called the Eridu Genesis, was written down by about 2300 BC. The Epic of Gilgamesh, whose hero is Utnapishtim, is even older and also tells of a great flood. Utnapishtim means he found life. The Sumerian flood hero is Zeosudra, the far distant. Although the heroes have different names, the elements of their stories are much the same. So let me tell you the story of Atrahasis, the exceedingly wise. He was warned of a flood by the god Anki, or perhaps Ea, who instructed Atrahasis to build an ark. Atrahasis built the ark and loaded two of every animal onto the ark to save them. But long before Atrahasis built his ark, there were no humans. 
there were greater gods and lesser gods. A tablet upon which the story of Atrahasis has been written begins in the following way, quote, When the gods instead of man did the work, bore the loads, the gods' load was too great, the work too hard, the trouble too much, end quote. According to the legend, the younger gods rebelled against the older gods. Eventually, humans were created to do the work that the gods considered too tiring. The humans were created from clay, which was mixed from the blood, flesh, and intelligence of Wei Ilu by Nintu, the mother goddess. At first, the gods were pleased with their creations, but the humans grew in number and became too noisy for Enlil, the king of the gods. Enlil then decided to destroy the humans through a great flood. Anki, however, took pity on the humans. Anki thus warned Atrahasis of the impending flood and instructed him to build an ark and load it with all the animals. Another tablet continues the story. Quote, the flood came out. No one could see anyone else. They could not be recognized in the catastrophe. The flood roared like a bull. Like a wild ass screaming, the winds howled. The darkness was total. There was no sun. End quote. To me, it sounds like something more catastrophic than supposed localized flooding. Would localized flooding, as from a river, have howling winds and the disappearance of the sun? Perhaps, if a comet was involved. The waters eventually subsided and Atrahasis survived inside his ark. Afterwards, even more humans were created by the gods, but they would be inferior creations, susceptible to disease and demonic attack. The Israelite biblical account of the Great Flood was written down much later than these other Mesopotamian and Eastern Mediterranean cultures. There are also flood creation stories in Northern Europe, China, Japan, Australia, South America, Central America, and North America. For example, the Norse people tell of their beginning when there was only empty space, called Genungagap. The Norse tell of a water well, Hvelgermir, from which came the water that helped the world tree Yggdrasil grow. Not all the water was taken up by the world tree, however. The water that was left over froze and became the realm of Niflheim. It was so cold in the Genungagap that the well Hvelgermir froze. Thus, Niflheim was the first of the worlds to be created from the Genungagap. There are nine worlds that exist along the trunk and branches of Yggdrasil. There is also a primordial fire realm called Muspelheim. Midgard is the world of us humans. Asgard is the world of the gods. Some of the heat of Muspelheim reached across the Genungagap to the edge of Niflheim, where some of the ice melted. The droplets of water heated as they got near Muspelheim and vaporized. The cloud vapor coalesced into a physical form, the first Jotun, or giant, named Ymir. The mists also created a primordial cow named Audumla, whose milk fed Ymir. The cow Odumla licked off the salt from the icy rocks and by doing so created Buri, the first god. Buri had a son named Bor, who had a son named Odin. Emir was eventually killed by Odin, 
and the giant's body parts and blood became the mountains and rivers. Odin and his brothers used branches from Yggdrasil to create the first humans. In Siberia, the cosmogenic worldview has similarities to that of the Norse people. For instance, the traditional people of the Siberian region's myths declare that the human realm is a middle realm between upper and lower worlds. There were different numbers of worlds above and below the middle world, sometimes three, sometimes five, or seven. The Norse said nine realms. And like the Norse, in Siberia, there was a world tree that connected the different realms through its trunk and branches. Shamans could travel up and down the tree. There is a legend in Siberia about a hero who wished to marry a woman from up the world tree. He followed her up there while she was in the form of a bird. The bird woman could take many shapes. In order to marry her, the hero had to first destroy an extra sun and moon that were making the world too hot and too cold. The hero got help from a god of the sea who turned the hero into a man of iron, outfitted with iron weapons. With his new weapons, the hero shot down the extra sun and moon. There's also a story in Siberia about two gods who came down from heaven to find the earth covered in water. When on earth, one of the gods sat on the back of a frog, or a turtle in some versions, and the other god repeatedly dove down to retrieve mud. The gods named Shagan Shaguti and Oshtervani piled enough mud on the back of the animal to sink the animal, leaving only the land remaining. There is a great flood myth too. In this story, the god Ulgin warned a man named Nama to build a boat. Nama saved his family and some animals from the flood by using his boat. The earth dried out and Nama and his family once again lived upon it. What about India? There is a long written history on that continent that predates Christianity. Are there flood myths that describe events that could be comet related? In Hindu mythology, the beginning was formless. There was no heaven, no earth, and nothing in between. All that existed was a vast, dark ocean. The Lord Vishnu rested upon a cobra that floated upon that ocean. This was all after the destruction of the previous universe. A lotus flower bloomed from Vishnu's navel, thus giving birth to Lord Brahma, who calmed the winds and the ocean. Brahma split the lotus flower into three parts, using them to make the sky, the sea, and the earth. It is from Brahma, according to Hindu mythology, that all of creation comes. He created the plants, the insects, and the animals. In some stories, Brahma is said to have gotten lonely and so he split himself into female and male counterparts, who then joined back together to create humanity. Was the vast dark ocean due to a global flood? Is the imagery of no heaven, no earth, and nothing in between indication of comet ejecta dust in the atmosphere? Then Brahma made the sky, the sea, and the earth. Does this mean the atmosphere cleared? He created the plants, insects, and animals. Does this mean they began to reappear upon the emerging landscape? Perhaps it is unknowable, because we don't actually know when these stories were first told, but there are a lot of them. For instance, in southern China, 
the Zhuang people, have a story about a god named Panggu. In the beginning, the story goes, there was nothing but chaos. The heavens and the earth were intermingled. It was like a big black egg, and inside it, Panggu was born. He slept inside the egg for 18,000 years. Eventually, he awoke and realized that he was inside the egg. He had to crack the egg to escape. The top half of the eggshell became the sky, and the bottom became the earth. In some versions of the story, he is helped in his task by magical creatures such as a turtle, a dragon, a phoenix, and a chi lin. When Pangu died, after another 18,000 years, his body parts became the geography, and parasites on his body became the first humans. In Korea, there's a story of a bear and a tiger who both wanted to be humans. So the tiger and the bear talked to one of the gods and asked the god to turn them into humans. The god agreed, so long as the tiger and bear could live in a cave for 100 days drinking only water and eating only mugwort and cloves of garlic. 99 days went by. It was almost time for the tiger and bear to be granted the gift of humanity. But on that day, the tiger gave up and quit. The bear made the full 100 days and was thus turned into the first human mother. Although this Korean story doesn't speak of a flood, it does speak of going underground for a long period of time, which is a theme that many other creation myths share. Plus, there is more to the story. The god that the tiger and bear went to was named Huan Gun, the heavenly prince, son of Huan Nin, the ruler of heaven. The story goes that Huang Gun looked down at the earth and decided that he wanted to rule over humans. Huan Nin liked the idea and allowed Huang Gun to go to earth, specifically Mount Taibek. Huang Gun brought with him three ministers to help in his administration over earth. They were the masters of wind, rain, and clouds, respectively. Huang Gun arrived beneath a sandalwood tree and founded his city there. This is where the bear and the tiger then approached Huang Gun to ask him to turn them into humans. When the bear became a beautiful woman named Ungyo, Huang Gun married her. Ungyo gave birth to Tang Gun, king of the sandalwood and the first king of Korea. So no flood is directly mentioned, but there is mention of a heavenly body coming to earth alongside wind, rain and clouds after which the bear and tiger people had to survive in a cave for 100 days eating only garlic and mugwort. The tiger people couldn't handle it. Bear woman emerged from the cave and married the prince who came down from heaven. In Japanese creation mythology, there is a floating bridge of heaven. Upon this bridge are two gods named Izanagi and Izanami. Using a jeweled spear of heaven, the gods stirred the briny waters. When the spear was removed from the water, the water droplets falling from the spear became the island of Onogoro. Afterwards, more islands were created. The firstborn godchild of the gods Izanagi and Izanami was the sea god Owatatsumi no Kami. The parent gods gave birth to more children who controlled the harbors, the land, the sea, the wind, followed by gods of trees, mountains, and lastly, the plains. What is interesting is the order of the children's birth. First the waters, then the wind, then the trees and mountains, and lastly, the flatlands. The wind god, one of the older god children, was so powerful 
that the clouds and mists which had hung over the earth from the beginning of time were dispersed. Izanami, the Divine Mother, eventually gets injured by the God of Fire. Her husband tries to take care of her by making her food, but she cannot eat it. She throws it up. From her mouth came the God and Goddess of Metals. Izanami soon dies, and from her body springs forth the God and Goddess of Earth. In Australia, there is a story of the Sun Mother. In the beginning, everything was still. Almost everything. The father of all spirits was awake, and he awakened the Sun Mother. The father said to the mother to go down to earth and wake the sleeping spirits. She glided down to earth, and when she landed, everywhere she stepped, plants grew. There are interesting creation stories in South and Central America, too. For instance, the Mapuche people, who are from eastern South America, tell of the beginning of time when there was only air. The master of the air was Ngen. But there were other powerful spirits who fought against the master of the air. Ngen gathered the good spirits and defeated the evil spirits by spitting on them and by shooting fireballs from his eyes. He trapped the evil spirits inside the mountains, which formed from the bodies of the defeated spirits. The evil spirits cried inside their prison, and their tears created the rivers and the seas. The Inca, who are from the western part of South America, have creation stories that involve the god of the sun and children emerging from hiding places. The god of the sun was so bright that nothing could be seen. He also created the moon and the stars. The god of the sun and the moon had two children, a boy and a girl. These children were sent down to earth to teach humans how to survive. The Inca also have a story of a god named Contiki Viracocha rising from a lake. He needed light and so created the sun, moon, and stars. He brought humans with him from the lake, and he created even more people from the rocks near Cuzco. Then he sent groups of people north and south to create land for humans to thrive upon. The Inca also have a third creation story. In it, Multiple siblings emerge from a mountain cave to become the original Incas. Could this be a third part of the Incan creation story rather than a separate story? I can't say for certain. More research into traditional stories is needed. The Mayan Empire existed in what is now Central America. The countries of Guatemala, El Salvador, and part of Mexico all have Mayan archaeological sites. In the beginning, all was stillness, silence, and water. There were no people or animals. There was no light. There was no land, and there were no plants. Multiple deities laid in the primordial waters. These gods helped Huracan, the heart of the sky, create the earth. They planted a tree which had nine levels below into the underworld and thirteen levels above into the upper world. Then regular plants were created, followed by animals. Next, it was decided to create humans from mud. These humans were not good at being keepers of the days, and so were killed in a flood. More humans were created, but they too were not good enough for the gods. They were also destroyed, and those that survived became monkeys in the trees. The story goes on to tell of twin heroes who travel to the underworld and outwit the lords of the underworld. They are able to save their own father and return to the surface world. At that time, there was no sun and there was no moon. 
but at some point in their adventures, the hero twins shoot down a vain bird named Seven Macaw, who claim to be the sun and the moon. The twins then climb up the world tree and become the sun and the moon themselves. In North America, there are many interesting creation stories. The Hopi are the westernmost of the Pueblo peoples. In their origin story, there were only two gods at first. They were the sun god and the earth goddess, who happened to be a spider woman. The spider woman split herself into two goddesses, and one of those goddesses became the wife of the sun god. Together they had children who were twins. These twins had the thought to make the earth to be between the above and the below, which up to this point had been only endless waters. The sun god turned his blazing shield towards the endless waters and created land. In their creation story, the Hopi used to live under the earth. They emerged from the earth and met a caretaker or creator god. The Hopi made a promise to the creator caretaker that they would be stewards for the earth. Once they made their promise, the original Hopi people were then instructed to begin a sacred quest to search across the newly formed land and find so-called center spaces and to settle cities there. For the Navajo, the beginning was a black world called Nehodahil. This first world was destroyed by fire when the gods became angry. At that time the world was small, like an island floating in mist or water. There weren't Navajo people in that world at the time, but there were people called the Mist People. They had no definite form. From these Mist People, the humans, birds, animals, and reptiles would form. A black cloud and a white cloud met in the east and created the first man. A yellow cloud and a blue cloud met in the west and created the first woman. The first man and the first woman eventually met and decided to live together. Soon they meet someone else. His name is Coyote formed in the water. He tells them that he was hatched from an egg and that he knows about what is beneath the water and in the skies. Then another person arrives. His name is just Coyote or also First Angry. And he tells the man and woman that they were not actually the first people. He tells them that he was alive when they were formed. More beings arrive the ant people and the wasp people. Then, after the destruction of the black world, began the blue world. The Lakota also say that there was another world before this one. In that world, the people didn't behave themselves, so the Creator brought down rain to destroy these people with a flood. The earth broke apart and water gushed out. Almost all the animals were killed. Only Kangi, the crow, survived. The Creator then decided to repopulate the earth. He had a medicine bag that contained all the animals of the world. The first animals were those that could remain underwater for a long time, such as the loon, the otter, and the beaver. Each of these animals tried to obtain mud from the bottom of the flooded earth to bring back to the surface, but each of the animals failed. So then the Creator took the turtle from his medicine bag. The turtle was able to reach the bottom and resurface with mud in its claws and upon its back. The creator shaped the mud in its hands and spread it out across the turtle's back to create the earth. The Cherokee say that in the beginning the world was dark, 
cold, vast, and endless. At that time there was a great stone arch in the sky, and upon it were sleeping creatures. The water beetle, who could smell water, was the first creature to awaken and drop from the stone arch in the sky. The beetle landed in the water and went beneath the surface. There he saw something that the rest of the creatures could live on. The spider was the next animal to awaken. The water beetle asked the spider to send down silk ropes which were fastened to the corners of the giant slab of mud. The rest of the animals on the arch pulled on the ropes and pulled the mud above the water's surface. When they were done, they all went down to the newly raised earth and lived there. The Seminole, whose traditional lands are in much of what is now Florida, have a legend that says in the beginning an earthquake opened a cave and people slowly walked out to see a new world. The cave people were greeted by other people who are already outside. Another legend states that the creator put all the animals inside a large shell and put the shell onto the backbone of the mountains. Over time a tree grew next to the shell. The roots of the tree cracked the shell. Then the wind increased in power and the crack in the shell expanded. From the crack in the shell the panther was the first to emerge. Then came a bird who pecked at the shell's crack until it was large enough for all the other animals to come out. The Haudenosaunee also speak of floods, a sacred tree, and a sky realm. In the sky realm lived Sky Woman. At that time the earth was beneath the water. But in the sky world there was a tree whose roots were tapped deep into the ground. The tree got uprooted, creating a hole beneath it. The hole led to the earth realm that was covered with water and clouds. The sky woman went through the hole and entered into the earth realm. She fell from a hole in the sky, which is why she is called sky woman. In the Ojibwe language, we have a word that means hole in the day. It is Bogonagizik, and the name was popular enough at some point for us to have chiefs with that name. The Ojibwe creation story overlaps a little bit with the Haudenosaunee creation story. This is because our story begins with a great flood, and what happened is that Sky Woman fell towards the water. Down below, the animals struggled to find land, eventually bringing up a paw full of mud to place on a giant turtle's back. From there, the earth was formed. The Ojibwe call North America Turtle Island because of our creation story. At some point in our past, there was a great flood. Nanabuju, our folk hero, clung to a tree to keep from drowning. It is said that he ended up on the back of a giant turtle. Various animals ventured down into the water to retrieve some earth, but they all failed. It was the muskrat who eventually succeeded in bringing up mud to place on the giant turtle's back, and from there the earth was created. For the Cree, it was Wisagachuk who clung to a tree and ended up on the giant turtle's back but much of the rest of the story is very similar. Indeed, it is often only the names of the animals that are different across the Boreal creation stories. On the other side of the Rocky Mountains, the Chumash creation story tells of a great downpour that consumed the earth, as well as a rainbow bridge from their island to the mainland. The great downpour was a disaster that killed everything except the woodpecker, who was the nephew of the sun god. The gods of the Chumash created humans from seeds that they planted on their home island.
the Haida live up the western North American coast in what is now Canada. Their traditional islands are called Haida Gwaii. In their creation story, in the beginning, there was only darkness. There was a raven bumping along in the darkness, and he met an old man and his daughter. The man had a treasure in a box. In the box was all the light of the universe. Raven devised a complicated scheme to steal the light, which involved shape-shifting and becoming the child of the old man's daughter. Once he is born, the grandfather shows the raven the light. Raven transforms into a raven and steals the light from the man, which is how light came to the world. Another part, or version of the story, has Raven finding a clam full of people. The raven coaxes the people out of the shell, some of whom are reluctant to leave it and step onto the land. But eventually they do. These people become the first Haida. There's a sculpture of this story at the Vancouver International Airport. I'm going to end this world tour in Inuit territory. This is because I believe fragments of the comet impacted the Earth at the Great Lakes and in Greenland, meaning that Inuit stories may have interesting perspectives regarding creation. Indeed, there is an Inuit story that says, When the Earth was made, it fell from the sky. Earth, stones, and hills all fell from the sky. That was how the Earth was made. Then humans were formed. It is said that they came forth from the earth and from the willow bushes. They also talk of a time of darkness and a great flood that destroyed humanity. They say that where the mussel shells can be found on the high hilltops is evidence for the flood. The Inuit also have a story about Sedna. She was overcome with hunger and attacked her parents. The angry father paddled her out to sea and threw her overboard but she clung to the side of the kayak, refusing to let go. The father cut off her fingers, forcing her to drown. But her fingers became the seals and all the animals of the sea, and she became the goddess of the sea. There are also other versions or parts of the Inuit creation story. For instance, it is said that Raven harpooned the earth with his beak from his kayak, thus making the earth stable enough to bring life into existence. And it is also said that the first man came from a pea pod. The man emerged from the pea pod and stepped out onto a soft earth. He soon met Raven, who told the man that it was Raven who planted the vine that held the pea pod. Thus, Raven is the creator of man. Raven then leads the man to high ground where the earth is solid, and he brings him food and creates all the animals. From my perspective, there are many uncanny resemblances between the myriad creation stories our planet holds. Did some catastrophic event, like a comet impact, leave more than geologic imprints on our planet? I think it merits more investigation. For instance, why would the Inuit have a story about being born from a pea pod? And why does this sound so much like the Yoruba creation story? I know that the Christian Bible has a great flood myth. But I also know that that myth was inherited from much older myths from that region, such as the Atrahasis story. 
Indeed, I think that the similarities stem from some common environmental event rather than simple importation of colonial myths. Whether or not that common event was the common impact from about 12,900 years ago that likely created a mini ice age and killed off the North American megafauna and Clovis people, I can't say for certain. But it does leave me wondering and searching for more information. I'll let you know what I find. That's all for today's episode. Stay tuned for more episodes in the future. I'm Chris Waite, and this has been the Anishinaabe History Podcast.